That's me, nigga. You are now rocking with the super califragilistic expiala dope shit. Your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, featuring on the verge artists, established influencers, and people from all walks of life doing dope shit. With your host Emiliano Styles. All right. Welcome y'all to another edition of Super Califragilistic Expiala Dope Shit. And today I am here with <clears throat> Mel Chu. Now, to start off, I'm going to read this bio so you just get a little idea of who you're going to be listening to. It's old, though, but go ahead. That's cool. Striking, charming, known as the next Denzel. Oh, hold up. I was reading something else. My bad. <laughs> hold up, hold up. Striking, charming, yeah, I and captive. I liked it, though. <laughs> Not the next Denzel, the first male Chew. Yeah. I'll take both. Striking, charming, and captivating are merely a fraction of what can be used to describe Mel Chu, the talented African-American young actor and model who hails from Detroit. Raised on the east side of Detroit, he received early encouragements in high school, and Mel began his career as a print model. Mel's academic aspirations and physical attributes will lead him to a college scholarship and a major in pre-med biology, despite the busy schedule of a scholar-athlete, wasn't enough to satisfy his creative side, so he set his sights on performing, this time around, acting. As a model, he moved to New York City. Then he pursued his childhood love for film, theater, and television. So, his acting career Began with small roles in various short films, commercials, features, and episodic television shows such as Law & Order, SVU, Ugly Betty. His latest accomplishments include appearances in Amazing and Alex Cross and uh, Magic Mike and uh, what was the one? Shots Fired. Mel credits his late grandmother as his biggest inspiration he makes his home in Brooklyn, New York as well. Uh-huh. Mel credits his late grandmother as his biggest inspiration. He makes his home in L.A. Uh, what was the other movie that you just... Well, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so, let me let this ambulance go by. So, to start off, I like to do this rapid fire segment. Yeah. So, I'm just going to ask you... To choose between two things mm-hmm. Don't give me any explanation whatsoever Just say which one you prefer Alright, alright You ready? Yeah Martin or Malcolm? Malcolm <laughs> <laughs> Nah man, you cheating already <laughs> I had to choose both of them Nah man Okay, go ahead man, my bad Which one, Martin or Malcolm? I'm gonna go with Malcolm Rihanna or Beyonce? Beyonce. Creation or evolution? Creation. Android or Apple? Apple. Brutal honesty or white lies? Brutal honesty. Cameron or Mace? Mace. All day. In the light or in the dark? Light. Career or family? 
Family. Beard or mustache? Clean shaven. <laughs> Career or family? Family. Marriage or long-term commitment? Marriage. Pac or Biggie? Pac. Love Jones or loving basketball? Loving basketball. He's ambulance. Kobe or LeBron? LeBron James. Yeah, turn out the game. <laughs> J. Cole or Kendrick? Kendrick. Nike or Adidas? Nike. Marvin or Stevie? Marvin. Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels? I'll pass. Pause. <laughs> this is the question that everyone has the most difficulty with. Usually people just laugh. And then they answer one or the other. But you can't pass. Okay. Which one? What medium? Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels? Period. What medium? Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels? Because I don't... No, there's no, no explanation or... It's just Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels. Tyler Perry. Sugar on grits or salt on grits? Sugar. HBO or Showtime? HBO. The Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire. Autumn or Summer? Summer. All right. So that's it. Yeah. Those are the questiones. Why would somebody pick anything besides Summer? Hey, my favorite season happens to be Autumn. Especially autumn in New York, cause nah. all the colors and so now you're speaking my language. It's but crisp, in general, summer, the crisp but air. But if you're being specific, the boots, New York, yes, light jackets. Like I like yes. really enjoy autumn. Yes, I like the layers. Yeah, man, I like that. So I'm a scarf guy. So yes, I like to. You like, I like the, to dabble in scarves. You like to bundle up. Yeah. All right, so a little bit about the podcast is, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, which it probably is, thank you for listening. Welcome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You are welcome. Yes. I created this podcast because, for various reasons, but one reason is it's just great to have this creative autonomy, and I could just put this out whenever I want and, and, and create it however I want mm-hmm. uh, to, to like scratch my artistic itch. Also, I feel like there's a lot of podcasts out there that are very well produced. It's like listen to a TV show auditorially, if that's a word. and um, Or it's just like dealing with a whole bunch of celebrities. And I feel like I have been blessed to know a lot of talented and creative and like good all-around people and to have conversations that I could share with others, not just whoever I'm having a conversation with could be beneficial. You may drop some gems or people can ultimately feel like they caught up with an old friend even though they may never meet you. Right. So that's like the vibe and the tone that I'm trying to do with the podcast. So question, what's the dopest thing that you've done? Whew. You know, I thought about this, and stop me thinking about if I do dope shit, because I know you be doing dope shit, and I be like, damn, all my friends be doing dope shit, what am I doing? 
So I had to think about that a lot. Mm. But to date, though, man, I think the dopest shit I've ever done is back in New York, a friend of mine called me. I'm not going to name drop. He was an ugly Betty at the time. The show just got canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the show at the time as a Modi. Um, as a what? Modi. Who was that? The office people. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I was a junior editor at the magazine at Mode. So, um, shout out to the Modis. I wish social media was like live and well when we was. Anyway, that's another story. But um, a friend of mine, who was the lead on the show, after the show was canceled, he booked a, uh, a series that was shooting in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So he called me up and he said, "Yo, when you coming to visit me?" I'm like, "Man, South Africa is like." Far, like it's like one of those places I never thought about going. Like, if you really think about it, within the last three years or so, South Africa has been on the map, yeah, probably since the World Cup. But prior to that, no one you knew, you know, was trying to fuck with South Africa at all, as far as visiting, yeah, yeah. like visiting to kick it, yeah, but as far as like apartheid, like, oh, yeah, people, people like, are well aware of yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But no, no one was like, yeah, let's no go. Nobody was like, yeah, nobody was like, I'll go to South it. Africa. And let's kick it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the force behind that was, um, he called me up. He said, yo, come to South Africa. I was like, nah. <laughs> For what? He was like, listen, I just went to this school and I met a bunch of black kids. This guy is white. Mm-hmm. He said, I just met a bunch of black kids. Then I told him I have this, one of my best friends is a black guy in the U.S. and they told me they've never met an African-American. Mm-hmm. So the thought of like black people never met a, a black person from the U.S. was so intriguing to me. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I looked into the program, which was, it was a charity that he visited. Uh, that charity is called the Kusasa Project. So basically what they do is like, they buy school clothes for kids that can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they provide them with books, tutoring, all these other things, after-school program. Mm-hmm. Um, and in these communities I'm talking about, Oprah, remember Oprah opened a school in South Africa? It's the right, same right. community. Oh, okay. Cool. Where education is, like, pretty much paramount. Like, this, if you graduate from school and you have your degree and nothing else happens and you die, it's, you've accomplished the biggest thing you can. Yeah. So... Once I read about it, I was like, man, I'm going to volunteer to go for like three weeks. Needless to say, I flew to South Africa, joined the uh, charity. Oh, don't. It's um, still, still going to pick up. Three weeks went to three months. So you went to South Africa, joined the charity. charity. Three months turned to nine months. And my this is the dopest shit I've ever done because what happened was I went there to just to help volunteer get away from New York, get away from the fact that the show is canceled and I don't know which way my career is going to go. Mm-hmm. Trying to decide if I really want to move to L.A. I, I never thought about coming to L.A. Even as an actor, because I was like, you know, I, half of my life I spent in Brooklyn. So I'm like, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm working. Acting is going on here. This is New York City. Like, Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm no, good. I'm good. Yeah. But all the friends on the show kept saying, move to L.A., move to L.A., move to L.A. So I was like, so I had all these things in the balance. I was trying to figure it out. So I went to South Africa, 
in those nine months, I got to learn a lot about myself. Then I realized, like, so those kids, right, their uniform. Because I was, like, wondering, like, how are these kids come to school? And, like, Rewind real quick Cause you said you got to learn a lot about yourself Is this yeah. what you about to talk about? Yeah oh, Okay I got you So I see these kids every day They have these clean white uniforms mm-hmm. And I've been to the hood This is like really like a shelter on the side of the mountain Like no power, no nothing So I'm like how are these kids keeping their clothes <laughs> The clothes are clean you know mm-hmm. Then I come to realize that That's the only thing that they cherish it's the uniform. Mm. So as soon sure as clean. they make sure it's clean, and as soon as they get home from school, they take it off, they hang it, they like take very. I mean, it's like a prize possession. It's a prize possession. Very like pride. Yeah. And here I am walking around in a Tumi backpack. I have a camera. I have a camcorder. I have a computer. I have money. I have diamonds. I have all these things. And I started, like, questioning myself, like... You got diamonds up? Yeah. You had a diamond stud earring? I had diamond stud... I didn't wear earrings since then. (laughs) Okay. I had diamond stud earrings. I had a watch that was, you know, Mm -hmm. just a couple of bezels. Mm -hmm. And, uh... (laughs) Okay. You had you at Daytona? Yeah. It was something like that. (laughs) Oyster. Okay, okay. And, um... It's funny how everything works out, too, because... I got robbed of all of that. What? Yeah. Well, that's another story. But I deserved it, probably. Um, but in the process, I learned, like, all these material things that, that we care about. It's nothing. Yeah. These kids just want the knowledge. And also, I used to, like, have problems. Like, why Oprah go over there? Yeah. Instead of the U.S. or Chicago or something. Yeah. But then I realized that you know, like how someone tells you, like, you can change somebody's lives, like, in a few weeks or whatever. I remember it was boys, and I started teaching. I volunteered, started teaching at the at the uh, school, mm-hmm. grade five, or grade, the fifth and sixth grade. It went from me just teaching math, because I love math, to teaching English, and teaching about Jackie Robinson, and Malcolm X, and Dr. King. Stuff that they read about, but they don't really know the in-depth story. Yeah. So I ended up teaching that. And, you know, I, did, I ran a program for actors, the young the people that want to be actors. So I kind of like doing a lot with them. And I just got so attached emotionally. And I just ended up keep extending my stay. Right. But at the end of it, what I realized was, you know, like there was... A bunch of people that like they're just afraid to read. They can read, but they're just afraid. So I saw them make the change. Like everybody, I, I saw kids go from not wanting to to like jumping up, raising their hands to be the one to read, and like the whole classroom. Like I saw people that couldn't didn't understand math. Like I saw the impact not that you like, can have, that you can have yeah. and I just saw it in just like that. Yeah. And that impressed me so much, man. That left a mark on me. And I remember it was very difficult for me to leave those kids. Yeah, because um, I used to teach also. And it's interesting because just simple things like tying your shoe mm-hmm. is something that someone will use for the rest of their life. That's a tool. 
knowing how to sound out words and figure out context clues and like these literacy skills, mm-hmm. something that people can use for the rest of their life. So I also feel that in other countries, um, educators, teachers are held at a higher esteem than here. This, this is true. Yeah. So that's really dope. I didn't know you did that. That's yeah, man. Dope. I ended up being the dopest shit I ever did in my life. That's man. super dope, bro. Yeah. Um, what's the dopest thing you did this week? No, it's Wednesday. Oh, man. In the last seven days. What's the dopest shit I did? The dopest shit I did is attending the Jack and Jill conference in Kansas City. Okay. And realizing that I was designing a room, a concept room for uh, different entertainment for the you know for the day, and it's a thousand three hundred and thirty seats, which is like eighty seven round tables. Being able to come up with a concept and put it together and present it and it looks nice and like being on the elevator mm-hmm. and people were talking about how dope that shit was and I had my headphones on and I, they didn't know I did it and just to hear people on the elevator like a bunch of women like yo I can't believe a dude came up with that and all these dudes like put that together like it was so beautiful and just being on the elevator Mm-hmm. And hearing people talk about it made me feel like like I felt some type of way like okay that's dope He's yeah out there in KC yeah KC's beautiful too man mm. beautiful downtown it's slow as shit but in the future it's probably gonna be one of the most emerging cities so who is a person or persons that you look up to who oh. does dope shit. Oh man, you know, like I was speaking to you off uh, mm-hmm. on the side earlier. LeBron James is currently the man doing some dope shit. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I'm definitely looking up to him. It's not not as an athlete, but as a man. You know, for someone to come from uh, uh, you know an inner city kid like myself, mm-hmm. go through the system. You know, and I have a home, homeless, taken in by other families. Yeah. And still made it through all of that. And to be a phenom in high school with so much weight on his shoulders. What position did you play? Uh, I mean, I played football. And I play, football was my favorite sport. I played linebacker and running back. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. But in basketball, I was just a, a small forward. But, um, you know, just to see him go through all of that, get, get in the NBA at a young age and like uncharted waters like nobody's ever done what he did yeah for sure and for him to still maintain you know his blackness up to this point and do like the shit he did yesterday which is to open up a school like it's not even a charter school it's a public school system that's dope man that's never I mean not that it's never been done but yeah cause there's other athletes who yeah like Jalen Rose yeah, they but that in Detroit. But the thing is, they didn't do it at this level, level of their career. No, no. They did it after they retired, and people. Were, but he's still in the league, and he just was playing in the NBA Finals. So it's like he's doing it at uh, at the highest level. level. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is like on the same thing as like Muhammad Ali. It's like yo, this dude. Was, he was literally the champion. Mm-hmm. He was the heavyweight champion of the world, and it was right. like, nah, I ain't going to Vietnam. 
and with the jail and all of these things. So I think that is even more impactful because I feel like when you're working, if you work your life and you're like, oh, I want to be a professional basketball player or whatever, or, and then you attain that, then it's like, okay, then you have to retire that, and you're retiring at like 35, 30. Like, you're retiring before 40. Young. You're retiring super young, and it's like, damn, I worked my whole life to get to this point. Now what? So he lost. He did, to do something this civic-minded at this level in his career is like so commendable. Like, yeah. It's, it's. Yeah, that's why I, I think, amazing. I think he might, you know, outside of Muhammad Ali, he might be the greatest athlete. He's definitely the greatest athlete of my lifetime. Yeah, because I feel that when you think of athletes and putting them all oh, this is top five, this is whatever. The reason why Muhammad Ali was so important is because he, because of his character. He wasn't the best boxer. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the highest landing percentage. He wasn't... Uh, he took a beating. Right. He, he, he didn't have the best boxing record. But because of his character mm-hmm. is why he's such a polarizing and iconic figure. Mm-hmm. When you talk about Jordan and you talk about LeBron, it's like, uh, you know, Jordan's shoes were banned. And it was like this whole thing, like they have the Jordan shoes. Like he was a phenomenon and the bald head and like people really wanted to be like Mike. So when you talk about people who are the greatest is what is their impact off of the court is what will be, will stand the test of time. But anyways, let's get more into your background a little bit. So where were you born? Whew. So... I was born in Nigeria. I've never seen this publicly. Okay. Uh, my mom was a school teacher. Uh, she was on some sort of a sign. It's in your bones. Yeah. Teaching is in your bones. Yeah. And it was, um, she was on some assignment. Um, my dad was here in the States. And she had me there in, in Nigeria. In Nigeria. In Nigeria while she was on assignment. In Lagos. No, no, in Enugu. Enugu. Nigeria. Yeah, Enugu, Nigeria. This is a city that I've never heard of until yeah. just now. Yeah, this is a city. Google it right now. Enugu is like um, in Igbo land. It's, okay. It's one of the prominent cities in Igbo land. Okay. And, I'm familiar uh, with Igbo. Yeah, and the first president of Nigeria, name was Namdi Izikiwe, uh, and it's called the Zeke of Africa. Do you speak Igbo? Um, I can understand more. There's a few phrases that I can articulate. Okay. But, um, you know, what what most people don't understand is Nigerians' first language is English. Okay, yeah. Because Nigeria is is relatively a young country. They've only been free since 1960. Yeah, um, this is interesting because when I was in Africa uh, last year... It was so interesting is that so many of these African countries have recently gained their independence. Like 40s. Within the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, 30s. I mean, I'm sorry, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. It's just like, wow. It's like, wow, y'all are just getting, it's like really kind of like mind-blowing. Yeah. But go ahead. So if you put that together with like the civil rights movement, 
the Nigerians, some of the African nations were just free right before Martin Luther King was killed. Yeah, if wild. you put that in perspective. That's wild. So it's not just the U.S. that was suffering right, from wild. racial discrimination. Even when I was in Durban, <clears throat> I was talking to some South Africans. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to this one dude, and he was like, yeah, we didn't learn about Shaka Zulu in school. Wow. And right. he's in South Africa. Right, so... That's what it's... In Durban, in... In Durban. In the whole... The whole top. Yeah. So it was like... I was like, wow, that's wild. Because I was like, I didn't learn about Garvey in school. I didn't learn about Marcus Garvey in school. I didn't learn about uh, W.B. Du Bois in school. So he was saying like, yeah. So I was like, wow. I was like, it's crazy that we have that parallel. It was like apartheid was basically Jim Crow. Right. And just talking to him, it was just like, wow. I was like, we were like distant... We're distant relatives. Like we have yeah. similar experiences, but just was just like wow. different places on the map. You just you just said some wild shit that made me think, man. Cause it just made me. I, I was a. I was like I was a good, really good student in high school, and you just. Okay, if, if, if 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 I remember, right now mm-hmm. my like the memory that I have the, the biggest is probably like, I studied James Joyce. Okay. In English lit. In advance, uh, you know, English. So my point is, I could have, I should have studied Marcus Garvey. Mm. I didn't become a Garvey Knight till college, like maybe after college, because I was just seeking knowledge at the time. Yeah. But as far as school curriculum wise, I mean, the only thing, only person you knew was. Martin Luther King and a little bit of Malcolm X. And then all they teach you about Martin Luther King is I Have a Dream. Yeah, that's it. 1968, that's it. 1964, that's, that's it. it. That's the only thing they, they want you to know. Te- they don't teach you about the, uh, you know, the Iron Man uh, march and the way he was doing in Memphis and how he was nah. about uh, self-determination. Nah. To black economics and nah. all that. Yeah, he was on some real shit. They didn't even teach you about the speech that he was going to make right before he got killed where... He wasn't talking about that turn out the cheek bullshit. Yeah, he was. He toward the end of his life, he was like, "I'm black and I'm yeah. proud." Oh, yeah, he was, he was radical. Like, yeah. So they didn't. They didn't want to tell us that. But now it's like, we, we'll, we'll, we like your I have a dream shit. Just keep that. I have a dream. It's nice. Everyone yeah. kumbaya hold hands. Yeah. So you have siblings. Yeah, man. I'm like yeah. the oldest of four boys. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, I really want to introduce myself properly. In the, uh, you know, I'm from the, I was born in the land which is futuristically known as Wakanda. Okay. So I figured, like, you know, you read the bio, but, you know, I wrote a little something, something that I wanted to say officially on record publicly for the first time. You know, my name is Mel Chu, the first son of Ozoma, the first grandson of Onolio Gudap Obolio Alasa, the first of his first heir to the throne. There you go. Hell yeah. There you go. All right. Yeah. Now, <laughs> so how were you? So I, so elementary school, middle school and shit, like high school, you consider, I know you said you played football and all that. So do you consider yourself, you were a jock? Yeah. You were a jock? Yeah. Were you a bully? You were like pulling, you was like giving people wedgies and stuff? Nah, you know, it's funny. I was like a superhero. I always looked at myself as a superhero. Okay. You know why? why That's the it? problem about being an artist. You always feel like your life is like a movie. And this is just like this period, this kind of movie. Mm. So when I was in high school, man, I realized how much power 
that I had just being myself. And I also realized how much power I have with association to a football team. Okay. And bullies were like people that I despised early on because I felt like... So you weren't a bully? No, no, I wasn't a bully at all. Okay. And, and I felt like um, growing up... I was a bully. Hey, Joe Miller, if you're listening, I'm sorry, man. I mean it. You should be ashamed of yourself. I should. I am. Yeah. Well, I, if, I, if I would have met people like you, I would have slumped you in high school. I don't know. We would have went at it. Nah, we I would have slumped you. Nah, we would have went at it. Yeah. Yeah. So needless to say, um, <laughs> so ninth grade, I was like five, six, five, six, 120 pounds. Well, I was a little guy. I was a little guy. I would have been your bully. Yeah. So <laughs> nobody bullied me then, but I saw it happening. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of... It turned me off because I was like, I don't know why I'm the exception, but mm. that thing that they're doing is not right. Right. So 10th grade, I went from 5'6 to 6 feet, from 120 to 180. Wow. So I became a totally different person. Wow, yeah. And uh, a big motherfucker at that. So Tim Gray was like a, tur- a, a yeah, turning that's, point. That's, that's a big change. <laughs> that's a big, huge change. Um, you thought I was a bully on how fast, how massive I became overnight. But I became the defender of the people, man. Okay. I volunteered. You know, my um, I was a student's assistant, a teacher's assistant okay. in high school for the lovely Mrs. Sims, Sandra Sims. Shout, shout out to, to Mrs. Sims. Shout out to Mrs. Sims. I love her so much. She's like my mom. Um, I was her, her husband was my football coach. Okay. Shout out to Coach Sims too. Yeah, that's uh, how you got that playing time. No, no, no. They both uh, they both were very lovely to me. Okay. And they took care of me. They took me in as one of their own. So I'm forever grateful for them. But um, I was her teacher's assistant, and she was teaching special needs students. Okay. So they had helmets on. Nah, they ain't doing no helmets, man. This inner city Detroit, man. Oh, okay. Because you know that's like the nah, severe, I need severe you to, special needs. I need you to chill. I used to teach children with special needs. Okay. So go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, you understand then. Yeah, go ahead. So, um, so I was on a different playing field in high school. Anyway, my mind was much more advanced because I actually grew up with my grandmother. Okay. So my, you know, the things that I learned, the way I came up, was a little different. Um, Let me turn this air off. It's yeah. gonna be a yeah. It's gonna be a deterrent. <laughs> Even though it's getting kind of hot. Yeah. So for me, like the way I looked at kids, special needs kids, and I also felt like you know, growing up with my grandmother, I felt some type of way. What you mean? Like um, I felt like my parents could have been present more. Okay. But they weren't. So my attachment was to the kids and their and their well-being at, at an early age. So um, obviously, with that in mind, I couldn't be a bully. So I defended a lot of people. You know, uh, my school was predominantly black. When I say predominantly, I'm talking about 99, like 98% black. Oh, wow. They said fuck diversity. Yeah, so... Um, the white kids that went there. What school? Osborne High School. Okay. Some of the white kids I'm that went there. I'm surprised you didn't go to Cast Tech or... Nah, Cass man. Tech. I didn't want to take the bus, man. So I went to the school right in the hood. Okay. But it was okay. 
you know. Roses grow on concrete, so we are. That's what's up. Yeah. So I just defended a lot of people, man. I I don't like people that bully. I I don't like bullies. College. Yeah. What college did you go to? So uh, you was at Tennessee State. I was just down the street from you. I was at Tennessee Bethel. Which is uh, what? uh yeah, right right in your backyard, man. That's right in your funny. backyard. I, I mean I was like uh, uh what's they call those adjunct professor at uh colleges. I was adjunct student at Tennessee State. Uh shout out to the AKAs, the Deltas. I was welcome on Shout campus. out to TSU. Shout out to TSU, man, for always making sure a young brother was uh, culturally involved. The mighty, mighty blue and white. Yeah. T-S-T-S-U. Yeah. I had an opportunity to transfer to TSU. Big blue country. But go ahead. Yeah, I had an opportunity to go come to TSU and I turned him down. Okay. That's unfortunate. It, it, it was unfortunate. Um... I didn't like the way they were running the football program. Oh, yeah. It was kind of shady. I, I heard. Yeah. Because my homeboy, he was like a, uh, a starting, he was like a, a dope-ass tight end, and he ended up getting heat stroke out there. Like, he almost died on the field. And uh, he that's quit not, the football team. That's not good. Right. And there's no accountability. Yeah, so I understand. I've, I have heard some stories. Yeah. But shout out to the TSU football team. I know y'all doing pretty good now. But um, shout out to the whole TSU. Yeah, shout out to us, especially the AKAs and the Deltas. <laughs> you know, you guys know how to keep a young man in school. Word. Can you define your passion or your profession? Ah, oh, so my profession is acting, right? So to define, I, I feel like acting is love and humanity. Okay. That's the only way. What was the, the, the tipping point that made you realize, like, I want to be an actor? What was that moment? Um, so, growing up in the inner city, right, when you don't have, like, mentors, and when you don't have the right proper uh, guidance, sometimes you don't even know what your dreams are mm-hmm. because there's nobody there to tell you what they are and help you mold them and put it into perspective. Right. Um, but I was always in love with film. So I love film so much that every weekend I was actually looking forward to watching the film, even if it's the same film over and over. What was the first film you saw in the movies? Do you remember that? The first film I remember seeing in the movies was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I love that shit. Unfortunately, I hate to say this because I hate this film and I still haven't figured out why. Mm-hmm. The Sound of Music. Really? A doe, a deer. Female Don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-don't-
There's a new show in Nigeria. I had to, had to like take out a loan to go see Hamilton. The tickets is yeah. like four hundred six. I wasn't gonna do that. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Shout out to Hamilton. I just wasn't. I couldn't afford you, but yeah, you can give me to, a free ticket. Though. Shout out to my shout out to my homie Isaiah Johnson who played George Washington. I must to say, where were we? We talking about musicals. Musicals, yeah, I'm not fucking with musicals at all. Okay. So, but my that, my, that was my first film, but um, I used to like watch films and go outside. Yeah. Like I couldn't wait to memorize the whole film, mm. and I would literally go outside and play with my imaginary friends and reenact the whole movie, and that was my weekly, weekend, joy. Sounds fun. Yeah, like I was like really excited about those Saturday afternoons. Like, yeah, yeah, I get to play with my friends that nobody could see but me. So, um, I was watching. I don't know if you remember this show. This show is dear to me because it's the the turning point in my life. GI Joe. Nah. Ducktales. Homicide. Life on the street. Oh, I remember. I vaguely remember it. On NBC. I vaguely remember it. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. pretty much, some of these cops that you end up growing up accustomed to, they were on Law and & Order and NYPD Blue and all these other shows. They all came from that show. So this was like, imagine the wire, the cop version, way back when. So basically, I fell in love with this show. It was so raw. Yeah. And I saw this black man. They look like me. He's dark skinned with glasses. He was arrogant. He was smart. He was just everything that you can imagine. But I've, one thing I did realize was I've never seen a black man with that much liberty and freedom of expression, even within the acting world on TV. Mm. And that's Andre Brow. Okay. And as I was watching him, that watching that series, I looked at Andre Brown and I said, you know what? This is the thing that I've been wanting to do my whole life. Yeah. What he's doing. Yeah, yeah. So all this shit I've been doing in the backyard, I didn't know what that meant. That meant acting. I want to do just that. Yeah. And then from that day on, I say, you know what? This is exactly what I do. What I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's how. I turned to acting. I was acting before I knew I was acting. But that show confirmed everything that I needed to know. So, what was like your first major acting role? Like, how, how, if you. Yeah, what was your most major acting role? So, I was. Um, I did something on you. I don't know if it's unusual. I started taking acting classes. But no, with no intentions of getting a manager or an agent. Mm-hmm. Because I just wanted to make sure I knew how to act. Right. So I was studying and studying and studying. And I just remember, I, I reached a point in my studies where I felt like, Mel, I, you ready to go out there? And I remember auditioning for this film called Second Chances. Mm-hmm. My first audition. And I booked the film. Dope. Yeah. What was it, the role? It, the role was I played a younger version of this particular guy mm-hmm. who, um, you know. Played like young Samuel. Yeah, he was like, uh, he, yeah. I can't remember the name of the character. But basically, he ended up having a baby by 
the chick that he was messing with at the time at a young age. But, you know, he, he had other choices in life that he chose. They took him a different path. Mm-hmm. But in reflection, you know, I, I just played a younger him. But um, going out and auditioning and actually booking the first audition also confirmed to me that, you know, I was where I was supposed to be, so. Okay, do you have a, um, a lot of times, like even on social media or whatever, we see a lot of successes. Yeah. It's like highly curated. Yeah. I'm doing this, doing it big. But how about bad times and failures? Do you, uh, what are some common mistakes that people make in acting? Or how do you feel that people fail in the profession of acting? Um, Here's the thing. Success is defined by the individual. Yeah. Because a person can say, I just want to be a background. Or I just want to do one show. I just want to book one job. So we don't know what that is. Yeah. So that to each his own. But for me, I feel like as far as like success, that's to each his own. But failures, I feel like a lot of people have the a misconception of acting. Hmm. You know, some people are like, you know, I'm, I'm going to act. As if like it's something trendy or easy. It's easy. Yeah, but I always feel like because I used to act, and I felt like when I was training and stuff, <clears throat> the thing about acting is like I sort of feel like you're a pawn because with acting you're dealing with so much emotion. You have to really become someone else because a lot of people will um, go with what's easy, mm-hmm. but if you really dig deep in the character and research it and really go there emotionally it's hard for you to like to bring up these emotions in different ways a lot of times right. like if you're playing a tortured character or just, just even in a very extreme example Heath Ledger's Joker character dealing with the realms of evil and being a, a maniacal person like that is is something like emotions in human emotions, it could be, it could like wear you down. So acting is very. Then you're dealing with rejection like ninety percent of the time, and a lot of the time, right? And a lot of times when you're going in for auditions, sometimes you could be rejected from a job, and it could be complimentary. Like you're too handsome for this role. I've had oh, that. You're too short. You're too tall, or whatever, whatever they're looking for. So dealing with that on a day to day basis and rejection and going on audition after audition 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 it could like take its toll so there is definitely emotional strength that you need to have to yeah. be a successful actor and it's a certain you have to be grounded to be a successful actor i i feel as well yeah yeah C- can i just be frank yeah if you're a weak motherfucker don't be an actor yeah not gonna make it you're not gonna make it, not gonna make it. so if you're a weak motherfucker stay the fuck away you know why this ain't like the real world where like Motherfuckers be like, yes, maybe. This shit is no. Get the fuck out of my office. Yeah. You horrible. Leave. No. You should stop acting. You should stop acting. You should yeah. change career. Maybe you should, you'd be better as a salesman. Or whatever, yeah, yeah. You know, so if you think acting is something like you just about to walk in and be like, you know what? I think I'm going to act. 
think again because it doesn't work that way. And what also has surprised me too is like comedians. I feel like a lot of people think they're funny and could be, but there's such as a comedian standing up there. I I always said that comedy is harder than drama. Of course it is. So so to think that people will just laugh at you and you being on stage and telling stories or whatever. It's, it's, it's crazy. So, okay. Another question. Um, do you have a, like a mission statement or, or, or artist philosophy? Um, it's do what you love. Never worry about what the outside voices are and focus on the things that matter the most. That's it. Okay. And what are some of your Motivations and inspirations. Oh man, I'm motivated to first and foremost be able to create. Um, you know, we all have like ideas, and each idea that we have, we think is the dopest shit ever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have ideas too. But the difference between us or them and versus us or whoever is. Who's willing to take those ideas from just thought process to putting it down and actually creating that? So I feel like once you get into the creation part, that makes you a real artist because it's not just a a foregone conclusion of like a thought process of like, ah, this would be dope. No, if you actually like think about it and go through the process of actually creating that, Mm. that puts you in a whole different space. So, um, for me, I feel like being able to, um, you know, put, you know, everybody can be a doctor this way on TV, Mm -hmm. but putting whoever you are as a person, you bring that to the role and you're able to create, even though it's a role that's created for you, you still, you always constantly have to create you take whatever it is and you create it and make it your own okay who are your top five movie actors Ooh, man first and foremost I have to go Denzel Denzel I have to go Will Smith Will Smith Tom Wilkinson okay Robert Duvall okay and the fifth man I have so many man who's my fifth guy I have to go with somebody that's underrated. Who's very underrated? I'll go Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Yeah, he's my guy. Okay. Do you have top five movies, TV shows in a specific genre? So, for example, you could like, do you have a top five movies that are comedies, top five movies that are dramas? No. Mm. I think all around... Um, for different reasons, like, I really enjoyed Glory. Uh, Buddy from Homicide? Yeah, Andre Brown, Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman. The Glory tier. Yeah. I enjoyed Glory because Glory has so many elements in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that's one of my favorites. And I have to add Inception. Mm-hmm. Do I have a funny story about Inception? Yeah, I I went to I was excited to see it. I'm a fan of Christopher Nolan. Yeah, 
Yeah. I bought the IMAX ticket. I got there and I was watching Inception and I fell asleep. Mm. Now, I know people are like, what? You fell asleep on Inception? I'm like, yo. How could you? People were sleeping in Inception. I got sleepy. They was in three levels of sleep. So I fell asleep watching Inception. Everybody was sleeping in the movie on the screen. I'm like, yo, everyone's sleeping. Dude, I, and dude, I got sleepy. That means the movie was that good. I was sleepy, Cause, bro. Cause they, they, they tricked you into sleeping, too. Everybody was sleeping, bro. And I was like, I got to go see the movie again because I fell asleep. And I woke up and I saw the penny spinning or whatever. I was like, yo, what's happening? And so I had to go see it again. And I was like, yo... Everybody's sleeping on screen, <laughs> and funny. I fell asleep in the theater Jesus. watching this episode. You got trapped in the Matrix. Definitely. Maybe I'm still in it right now. Maybe yeah. I'm sleeping yeah. right now yeah. nah, at the theater. Right now. <laughs> so I'll probably say Glory, Inception. Um, I have to say Batman would keep it with uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah, it was dope. Yeah, I saw that shit eight times in Union Square. Okay, I saw it three. Yeah, that, that was dope. But do you remember when Sex in the City movie came out and they played the first scene before the movie I went to the screening? And they played the first, uh, the, the, the robbery scene when they left from the school bus and shit. Yeah. They showed that at the beginning of, I think it was Sex in the City. City yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Because I used to go to Union Square, that theater all the time, because I used to go to Virgin Records. And I used to nice. go there. And I used to go and I used to listen to albums. I remember I listened to the, I used to the, do that my, too. I was like, oh, I got oh, 20 minutes. Let me go ahead and see. Union Square is my favorite, yo. Oh, man, yeah. Because I had a lot of friends who went to NYU, so yeah, that was like my too. hangout. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Cornelius was down there. Right. Uh, I was dating his uh, cousin at the time. She was a uh, director for. I could I could cut this out if you need me to. No, it's all good. It's all good. We all good <laughs> people. But uh, I used to go. To, I used to be at NYU, NYU a lot. Yeah. Awesome. And the Whole Foods on 14. Was yeah, my yeah. Spot. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used sure. to go there, grab some soup. That's the first Whole Foods I ever been to. Grab a salad. That means the mo. The, the unit school means a lot to me because when I first signed with a modeling agency. New York models at the time. My first photo shoot was in that in Union Square. Okay. So that means a lot to me. So I used to go to Union Square, put my headphones on, sit on the benches with no music, and I would listen to people's conversation for hours. In New York City, as you know, yeah, yeah. the dopest, fucking most random stories. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and that was actually an exercise when I was taking a short story class in college. It was go to an airport and just sit down and listen to people's conversations. And since then, and then it was like, I had to write a story based off of the conversation and okay. using it as dialogue. All right, so who's, uh, entertainment, who's entertainment career do you feel made a consistent, whose entertainment career do you feel made consistent, excellent choices and projects to be a part of? Hmm. I can name a couple of people. Okay. First one is The Rock. Oh, yeah. Because... Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. Because what I noticed about him is this. He doesn't give a fuck if you think he's the, the next Denzel. None of that shit. Mm. Every choice he's made has propelled him to greater heights. He's like the action hero. He's, hero. he's that dude right now. Yeah. He, not only is he, he's been that dude for a long time. Yeah. But now... He's pretty much like every movie I sign on is going to be a hit. He does every apocalyptic 
Yeah. Action movie. He did what? Uh, he's doing like what's called Rampage. He did uh, what was the other one? It was like San Andreas. So he does. And I just read this vaguely read this article the other day where all his movies are intentional. Mm. He's making certain choices because he wants you to feel connected to him personally. I like Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, see, he's accomplished his goal. Yeah, I, I, I like him. I, I like, like him. The Rock too. Yeah, I like him. And I know a lot of people that be like, oh, I hate him. A lot of actors be like, I hate him. I hate Will Smith. They're not great actors. I'm like, I just want you guys to understand this. I really like Dwayne Johnson. Every season, every year, between the Oscars, the Emmys, the SAG Awards, no, there's no more than six people that get nominated. So what I'm trying to get y'all to understand, why y'all hate on those niggas? Of thousands of actors, only six people get nominated at the most for one award. So we all in the same fucking boat with them niggas. So if you're judging the acting, you should be judging yourself. So I'm about to play Name That Tune real quick with you, bro. I'm not that good, man. Everyone says this, but people, you know, you never know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some tracks, and I want you to try to guess the uh, artist. Don't judge my blackness. In the, in the song. <laughs> I'm, Black pa- I'm Black Panther Wakanda forever. <laughs> so All right. Don't judge me. You ready? Pussy made me drink Hennessy. I don't drink Hennessy. Nah, son. They forced it down. Hey, hey. Remember this? I remember. I don't know the name, <laughs> but I definitely remember it. Hey, I can do that. Hey, hey, get it, get it. <laughs> Make it me over. Don't make me over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what about sorry, this yeah, one? If you had to lay my singing, apologize in advance. How about this one right here? Yeah, this is southern shit. Yes. Uh, SWV. SWV. 
I'm so into you. He really gave me Hennessy. I'm gonna drink hard liquor. Alright, so I'm gonna play one more song. Uh, let's see. I'm not gonna tell you what song I'm gonna play. Hey, yo, my murderous rap, verbal attack is actionable, fact, tactical tracks match perfectly with graphical stash, I put you back to the apple track, yeah. and tackles you back, and shackles are back, and that's the mathematical madness of all the saddest of all, the magic of all, the power that boy was in car, he was cold blooded, man. Yeah, that was Big Pun and um, Black Thought. Christopher Rios, rest in peace. Super lyrical. Yeah. Now. I thought you were down south. I, I didn't. But do you have a theme song? Like that song that plays in your head, like that's your joint? Yo, that you know, right now, mm-hmm. that Jay Z and Beyonce, the Carters, the whole album, the whole album is speaking to me volumes, man. Yeah. But that Black Effect, that Black Effect is something else, bro. Okay. That might be. I must. I might be the blackest song I ever heard. You know, this is a new question I'm adding to the podcast, and I'm trying it out. But okay. yeah, so the new Carters joint. But you know what is my anthem? Like that plays in my head a lot. Like when I just Putting on my clothes and about to walk out. Yeah. This is my uh, that nug if you bust. Nah, man, it's it's it's, it's this. It's young boy. <laughs> <laughs> Young boy, yeah, you gotta play that shit a little bit more. So. Young boy is always in my head. Uh, well, not always, but very frequently in my head. My mama said, "If somebody hit you, it's like yo, you, you better, better hit, hit him back. back." You know what I'm saying? That's some real shit. Like you, when I go out here like, nah, into the I world, a young boy. When I go out here into the world, it's like nah, like don't take no shit. Yeah, don't take times. no shit. That's so I always, I like to do this name that tune because I feel like. I love music, and you can tell a lot about someone by the music they play or the music that they know. True. And um, what is some other music that you're listening to right now besides the Carters? The Carters, um, I don't like a lot of new shit. Okay, spoken like a true old head. Yeah, but um, I don't listen to that rap. No, I don't listen to that young little yachty. I don't like Migos. I don't like none of that. The Migos are interesting. I like, I like Migos. them. I like Migos. They be rapping their ass off. I like Migos. But then you break down their lyrics, you like, these niggas ain't talking about nothing. Yeah. But they rapping their ass off. Yeah, they be rapping. But, um, I have to give it to, uh, J-Rock. When? When, 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 when? My sister just recently got married, and that's the song that came out to it the reception. So. I was like, Let get it, Jamila. So. When you so. won. That love album, wins. That album might be the best album I heard so this far. year. Yeah, I really like Pusha T's Daytona album. The Pusha T Daytona is hot. I love but it. that J Rock album. Like I play that in the gym, and like I, I get right. Okay, I can that, see that. That Carter's album is like that's a different story because that's like a documentary on black excellence. I feel like the people who like 
I was talking to my homie Rondell about this. Is the people who like the Carter's album the most are people who are engaged or married or Beyonce stands. Those are the ones who like it the mm-hmm. most. That's an interesting philosophy. Because he's married. Yeah, but you know what? You know what? You know what I liked about it. Mm. Like I never thought I'd see Jay Z just raw. Mm. She got him to be raw. I feel like he's being who he need to be to to make that relationship thrive. Like he's yeah. grown up. He grows. Like I like I really listen, I, I really listened to that album mm-hmm. and I pictured him smiling and I pictured him and I like I I foresee black people in a joyous moment because. The album lets you see that, like, so, like, there was Lemonade. Yeah. The accusations. Right, right, right. And then there's 444. Yeah. Where he's, like, the half revelation of, like, you know, but basically he said I cheated on Beyonce. Yeah. The Queen. And the thing about 444 is I felt like the song, the the song 444 was the weakest song on the whole album to me. What's the best song to you? I like Family Feud. The best on that album because what I didn't like about I like the content of four 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 the song mm-hmm. but I didn't like the track it just was like so redundant in the singing like I felt kind of annoyed by it but not to say that song is whack but that was the my you least know, favorite think. song on yeah. that it's a, album it's a dope album man to it me. is yeah I, I feel like that as adults mm-hmm. I mean. Mumble rap, whatever rap, it's all good. We lived in a generation where the stuff we liked were looked upon as like the new whack shit. Well, I feel like when in the nineties, when the golden era of hip hop, what made it the golden era, so many different types of artists could coexist. Daz effects could coexist with Wu Tang, and Wu Tang could coexist with Nas, and Nas could coexist with uh, Jay Z. Jay Z could coexist with public enemy or whatever right. but it was right. like so many different hip hop artists you that was from everywhere that all had like it was a level playing field in the sense that uh you know what I'm saying right. that we they could coexist and it was considered dope this Not artist mimic each other though. right this artist didn't have to sound like this artist to be dope it was like you have a unique sound in that shit it's jamming yeah yeah so that that was it for me man I, okay just um, what is that number three? Uh, I actually don't remember my question. <laughs> I think we were just talking about music. Three dope artists. I mean, five dope artists. That wasn't my. That wasn't my question. That wasn't my question. What was your question? That wasn't my question. I was just talking about music that you uh, liked. Yeah, so the Carters, J Rock. No, I said. What music are you listening to right now? Yeah. The Carters, J Rock. Um, I try to listen to that Drake man. That's a whack ass album. I like a few tracks off of it. It's a few tracks, but the whole like I'm I'm good. Like the the double disc is like it's like I'm good. Yeah, he's whack. He did the blackface, and he was hiding a child. You are hiding a child. Yeah, that's 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 (laughs) it. Sophie knows better. He said, let that boy come home. Yeah. Deadbeat motherfucker playing border, <laughs> border Patrol. Oof. Push a T, let his ass have it, yo. What Trey said, the only deadbeat I know is what? Some the beats that I don't rap on or something like that. 
It's like, yo, you weak, man. You, you, you weak. I'm like, Tech, what's his name? I bet you won't say his name. This shit weak as hell. He said, Pusha T said, <laughs> Drake. He said your name, bro. No, if you could go back on the period this, Pusha T said, you signed to a, a, a nigga that signed to another nigga that signed to three niggas. Yeah. So, yeah. What's the last movie you saw in the theater? Oh, shit. Black Panther? Yeah. Oh, shit, it is Black Panther. Okay. Can you share a really memorable article, book, or YouTube clip that you discovered recently? Hmm. Um, article, clip. Article, I was, YouTube, I will, clip, I will, I will or book. I take this opportunity to share one of my heroes, Okay. Nelson Mandela, who's birthday just passed recently mm-hmm. um, if you ever get a chance get a book of his quotes living in South Africa mm-hmm. understand going to the jail cell where he was confined to understanding everything that happened to him and then to think for someone in his capacity to get out of jail and the first thing he thought about was forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness. Mm. There's no way in hell. There's there's nothing. I can I cannot under any circumstances be as half as good as he was. Mm. But there's something in him that's special. Yeah. And if you see his people, you realize that it's part of their nature. But. The fact that he did that, just just pick up a book of his quotes, man. It'll change your life. Book of perspective. All right, book of Nelson Mandela quotes. Yeah. What's a what is a little known fact about you that you think people would be surprised to know? Hmm. Let's go back to Kansas City. Um, I work with an event planner, celebrity event planner. Um, you'd be surprised to know that. I do a lot of the designs for like the tables, the flowers, and the table settings. So you dabble in design. I dabble in design. My my, my grandfather was an architect. Uh huh. I didn't know. That. So um, I'm pretty good, um, you know, as far as like drafting and things. But it just never was my passion. Just something that I knew how to do. But as far as design, like interior design and things of that nature, uh, that's probably like a hobby. That's like ingrained in me already. So, okay. so I dabble in design. What is some advice that you would give to your eighteen-year-old self? Ooh. You know, when I was young, I used to book jobs all the time, and I didn't try. I just showed up. Mm. Why do you think that is? What was you doing on these interviews? Um, I think it was just youth. My look, you know, like being like dark skin. Bald head. So you was bald at 18? No, I I pretty much shaved my hair. You shaved your head at 18? Because I realized... You was trying to look like Michael Jordan? No, I was trying to look like um, Tyson Beckford. Because back in the day, we thought, me and a bunch of people I grew up around thought that Marlon was gay. Mm -hmm. I remember that. You remember that stage? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. So I was like, yo, 
But Tyson Beckford was the first black man I ever seen. Even even Jay Z had that lyric about Jay Z. Used to fag model for for Esco ass and, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. this. Like, yeah, that's, like that's, that's, that was modernly was considered gay. Being sure. gay. So people forget about that lyric that Jay said. Yeah, he did. But go ahead. But I used to be like, nah. He couldn't be more wrong, by yeah, the way. By the way, yeah. People are people. Yeah. Attachments to words or like a description and titles is something else. So I agree. At that point, um, I felt like that was what society told me. You know, had me believe. Mm. But when I saw Tyson Beckford do the spread for Polo. You killed that. I said, yo, this nigga is just like Andre Brower. This this is why representation means the most. When people are always want to like, see yourself. Yeah, like, why does Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, and these prominent figures mean so much to black people? Is because when you see somebody that look like you're doing something that society is telling you that it's not available to you, it's like, oh, it's that confirmation. Like, oh, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm not an anomaly. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is my destiny. Yeah. So if you see something, yeah. someone doing something, you can only aspire to what you're exposed to. Exactly. Yeah. So that so seeing Tyson Beckford meant a lot to me because that made me believe that there was things that was possible beyond me. So I took on the challenge of the modeling, the modeling industry because of that. Do you have a societal norm that you think is stupid or weird or wish wasn't the norm? Um, I really believe like this whole uh, hierarchy of like men, like patriarchy. Patri- yeah, patriarchy of men being like the symbol of like the leaders of the home and the representation of like family and all these things. I feel like. We need to revisit that because as we all as young men would can attest to, it's our mothers that makes the biggest difference. So this whole idea of like men leading the homes is just like a false concept. Good then that flows into like our politics and our everyday lives where this whole alpha male and alpha this and blah 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 mm. gets in the way of like doing things the right way. Okay. Yeah. So and then when you think of over your acting career, what are some of the most memorable projects that you've been a part of? Um, I'd probably say, like, offhand, like, the most fun one has to be Magic Mike 2. When I did Magic Mike 2, um, I just remember booking the audition. And when I went down to shoot the film, uh, meeting... Where was that shot at? Uh, in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. So, like, meeting, um, you know, Channing... Channing Tatum. Jada Pinkett. Jada Pinkett. And the funny part was, like, I remember... Jada Pinkett Smith. Jada Pinkett Smith. I remember going to makeup, and I'm sitting there, and I had grew this, like, obnoxious mustache. (laughs) But my hair is so jet black. And it was, like, so big and so awkward, like a porn star, that... Porn stash. Yeah. So when I went on set... They thought it was fake. So we all in makeup, hair and makeup, and they're like cleaning up and trimming it. And Channing said, like, yo, this whole time I thought your shit was fake. <laughs> so, yeah, like, the Ned Flanders mustache. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it looked like. 
And uh, that was interesting, like, Jada Pinkett to be there. So it was like me, Joe, um, Channing, Jada, to just be sitting in the dressing room all together and just talking. At that moment, I was like, man, what other job can you have where you have that kind of moment? So, yeah, that was probably, like, one of the dopest moments in my career so far. Okay. Yes. So I'd like to end off the podcast with this pivot questionnaire, which was made famous by James Lipton in the actor studio. James Lipton. Yes. So, question number one. What is your favorite word? Yes. What is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? A story that talks about real life moments. What turns you off? Fake ass action stories. What is your favorite curse word? Bitch! Shout out too short. (laughs) My cousin said the same thing. What sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of birds chirping, ocean crashing, solitude, peacefulness. What sound or noise do you hate? When I hear like somebody like revving their bike in the morning. Mm. I can see that. That shit annoys me. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh. Politician. Um, what profession would you definitely not like to do? Uh, Meet a man. Mm. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Son, we've been waiting for you. All right, y'all. That is... Another episode of Super Califragilistic SBL Dope Shit. And I'm going to end this episode like I do every time. It's a quote from Pablo Picasso. Only put off until tomorrow what you're willing to die having left undone. And we in here and we out here. Peace, peace. Uh, I snap on the track like the fingers of Thanos Como también nosotros perdonamos A los que nos ofenden Saw love, all Wimbledon with the pendant All I have in this world is my flag and my sword I'm on the battlefield with the flag of my lord My shahada is my cantata My heart chakra light up when I massage that faja Padre nuestro que estás en el cielo Our heavenly father Like Vince Staples said, we just wading in the water My people out in Flint still bathing in the slaughter Ice out here ripping families apart at the border. Satan struck Palestine with yet another mortar. Lies from the reporters. Ass shots and stripper poles for the eyes of my daughter. Hmm. Swing low, sweet chariot. My train is on schedule, but I had to take the underground railroad like Harrogate. Weave the whole industry, every jab I parried it. My cross, I carried it. My crown of thorns to Calvary from Nazareth. The orbit was too wide to calculate the azimuth. The journey was technically unexplainable hazardous. Rise young gods, all paths lead to Lazarus. The dry bones that lifted up from the valley dust. The prayers of the slaves are the wings that carry us. A field full of dreams is where they tried to bury us. 